0: Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. it's the Fulhamish podcast. This is your weekly audio sob story on the life and times of being a Fulham fan. My name is Sammy James and tonight we will be looking back at Saturday's Burton game as the Brewers left us drowning our sorrows, a pale performance from the Whites and a referee decision that left us hopping mad. Uh, I'll be pouring over that game plus the Hull game as well with the pint-sized Fowl Monk. Oh, hello, one and all. Uh, the crafty Ben Jarman. Hello, friends. And by no means scraping the bottom of the barrel, Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. <laughs> How are we doing? <laughs> Strong start.
1: Yeah, really good, Sam. I'm really good. Good oh, pods. Uh, I'm today. impressed.
0: How are we all doing? It's been a couple of weeks since we've all been in the same room, doing a proper pod.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice to be back in the studio. I've missed looking at you over the, t- over the uh, computer screens. Over I the, actually can't you see you Over, over, over now, the Great Wall of
0: China of computer <laughs> yeah. screens
2: that are in front of us. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I had a nice international break, but as ever, good to be back on the podcast. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to Saturday's game against Bara as well later in the podcast and answering your questions. But first of all, we've got to do some three-word reviews. Jack, could you uh, fire them up, please, uh, from Saturday's game, not from the whole game?
1: Yeah, I think the ones from the whole game were a lot more positive, as you, as you can imagine. But um,
0: People love a negative three-word review, yeah, we've had so let's more, go straight so in. that's
1: good. Um, I liked Alex Lemieux. Excuses end now. I've, I've almost certainly pronounced your name wrong. I do apologize. Um, nice. Two on target from Marty Ward, which which summed up the feeling around the camp, I think, quite nicely. Chad Perris, shouts out to uh, the White Tiger. <laughs> um, he said, Need Kearney back. Uh, and Lawrence Craven awaiting that spark.
0: Well, we'll be talking lots about uh, needing Kearney back and potentially whether we need Fonts back more than Kearney uh, a little bit later in the podcast. First of all, before we get on to that Burton game, uh, this season Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes and right now Fulhamish listeners can bet £5, get £20, deposit a fiver and you'll get another £20 in your account. You can get the offer by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. So on Saturday, it was an unfortunate 2-1 defeat at the Pirelli Stadium. It was a controversial second-half penalty, the difference between the two... Sides up in Derbyshire uh, Jack it was a second defeat of the season and really leaves us with some serious questions. Are you concerned? how concerned are you uh,
1: I am concerned uh, I'm, I'm not desolate uh, in the other hand, so that's good but it's um, it's something that we need to discuss I think is our lack of ability to to punish teams or ahead is one thing but On Saturday, we didn't look like we were even particularly good at fashioning chances in in, in any sort of way or shape. Yeah, there were half chances here and there for players. And yeah, we missed the occasional sitter. But mostly we just didn't really penetrate in the way that we normally do. And um, I think that Farrell has just looked up very, very excitedly at the, at the mention, one of the word penetrate, so that's something <laughs> for you, you all to imagine at home. Um, but we were, we were very, very toothless in attack, and I think that looking back at the game, we, we didn't really deserve anything from it. Yeah, it was controversial refereeing decisions, and yeah, you can say that Lots of things didn't go our way, but ultimately, at the end of the day, not good enough at all.
0: Well, Burton started the stronger uh, in the game for me, and I guess that's to be expected. It's a tough ground to go to. It's very small, it's very compact, and maybe... I was a bit blasé about going to Burt and I think because it was so easy last year, that 2-0 victory was so routine that maybe I took it a little bit for granted that we'd go up there and get a result, which is bad. You should never take things for granted, especially with Fulham. We all know that. Uh, They did take the lead rather fortuitously, though, if I can pronounce it correctly, uh, (laughs) through Stephen Warnock, who I swear loves scoring against Fulham. I know he did for Liverpool and that was his only ever goal for them, but I swear he scored loads of times. I haven't done my research yet, but... He always seems to crop up.
2: I think would be the guy to know if he scored a lot against us. I can I can remember, I seem to remember him doing it at least two or three times.
0: Yeah,
3: and,
2: and for then, a man that doesn't score tons. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's what, this one that's, was. Ful- that's like
0: Fulham's speciality, really. Well, right, exactly. Uh, but It was a little bit lucky. Oliver Norwood actually put in quite a good challenge, and then it just falls straight to, straight to him.
2: Yeah, that, uh, to, kind of, to say to your point, they started off very, like quite high intensity, and I think if we if our memories aren't too short they done the same thing when they were at Craven Cottage last year when we struggled to get that 1-1 draw against them. The Sessignon's first... I believe it was his first ever goal for Fulham coming in that one all draw. I
0: actually think it might have been his second because I always just remember it's his Cardiff. first being against was- Cardiff just because it came up a couple of weeks
2: ago. I believe ago, it was his but... first league goal. Yeah, first league goal. Oh, OK. Yeah, against... um And Burton rescued a point for us and Scott Parker had a fight in the goal mouth afterwards. Needless to say, like, this... This weekend showed that Burton were very much up for a fight. They defended very stoutly. They were very compact and hard to break through. And at times, made us look incredibly ordinary in our build-up play, which is oftentimes very exciting. We transitioned through um, the thirds of the field very quickly. This week, this weekend, we we struggled to do so. We looked languid, and I've, it's all down to them and their intensity and how well they kept their shape and their discipline. We were actually quite lucky
0: Farrell to get back into the game. The Ollie Norwood's equalizer kind of came out of nowhere really.
3: Yeah, um Ben actually used the perfect word for Burton that, that that in defense that they were very compact and the probably the one time that we found some space in between midfield and defense was when Ollie Norwood managed to pick out which was actually a bit of a I don't know whether it was a lucky pass from uh, Steph Joe or not, but I don't know if he was trying to find Ojo who was trying to overlap but it seemed to just fall to Ollie Norwood quite luckily. And he was able to pick a spot and fired a nice goal in. But it was one of the few times we were able to get in between defence and attack because to their credit, I thought Burton were very, very sensible in their pressure, uh, pressing up high. They only really did it with um, uh, Sordell and Scannell. And then whenever the, the, their moves would break down uh, or not win it, then they were very, very disciplined and very compact. And it made it very difficult for us.
0: What did you think of Norwood generally? I mean, we had that little bit of an experiment with Cissé uh, trying to kind of cover the Kearney role uh, in the Cardiff game. I feel like he's the natural fit uh, when Lucas Piazon, who, by the way, if you haven't seen Lucas Piazon's uh, tweet <laughs> exchange that was about three hours ago, make sure you do. Uh, but Oliver norwood seems like the natural successor in that position if Kearney isn't to be uh, in there for a while. How do you think he did on Saturday? How would you rate his progress? I know he got a goal, but I'm more interested in his overall play what you thought of that
3: i thought it was actually quite a bit of a driving force for us if he was, he was very positive he seemed to always uh play the ball forwards and and his always first thought was actually trying to get it forward and he played a nice couple of one twos here and there and trying to open up their midfield uh, on a number of occasions which all credit to him i'm a bit f- bit fearful of the fact that one week he does seem a bit sort of abject and not really um at the races um whereas other weeks he looks like he really does fit into the style of play. But hopefully that will just come with more and more game time.
2: At times, if you want him to hold onto the ball and circulate possession, then Norwood will give you nothing but that. But at the same time, if you have an instance where, as with uh, Burton, they were quite compact at the back and they had what is essentially a five at the back formation, you're really looking for someone to carry the ball on and open up that defence in the way that TC can. And what you're going to get out of Norwood isn't what you're going to get out of Tom Kearney. And whilst Norwood is, as Farrell correctly states, is quite positive with what he does on the ball, there is something lacking in that he can't open a defence up in the way that TC can. But equally, no one in the whole squad can do what TC can on the ball. I would just like to see Norwood take a few more risks with what he tries to do on when he's in possession of the ball, especially when he drives it forward towards the defence because someone has to unlock it.
0: I feel like his favorite move is to kind of drive slightly towards the defense, then find the wingers, yeah. and it becomes quite predictable. And it leaves us yeah. kind of doing the same move every time. And any chance that we did fashion on Saturday came from the same way. It was a cutback from the byline, and it seems to be our only move at the moment.
1: I think that it does does work, but if you are going to do that cutback, you need someone in the middle that's a natural finisher and a natural poacher, and it's just not, you know, there at the moment. And and without fun, I think that makes kind of less sense as a play especially when we have two you know wingers and 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 fullbacks who are able to get in down those channels and 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 look for you know intricate passes and open up space for the middle I think that working it is a a better drill when we're playing without a striker because there's no one in on the end of all those and you know there's three or four crosses that go in in the middle that seem to just evade everyone because people aren't 100% sure where they should be and you know you you look at that and you think what we could do with it with a striker in the middle who who just knows where it's going to be and yeah. where it's going to end up. And yeah, of course, no one gets it right every time. But the amount of the weekend that were even when people did get into those chances, we just not able to have the composure to just guide them into the net. It doesn't have to be you know rattled at 100 miles an hour towards the goal in order to score. Uh, I think that it was very very obvious that we we're missing Font and that there's you know something in that team that doesn't allow us to. To to break the lines that we normally do, and it, I really did struggle watching it to to work out where things were going wrong. But I came to the conclusion, you know, in the end, that we looked like we couldn't break Burton down using our normal tactics. And I think it's because no one, you know, stepped up into in, into the voids that were there and started to to change those transitions the way that we normally do. And it, it was almost like without Kenny, I I don't think the 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 player I don't think the players that are playing in Kearney's stead are that much worse than Kearney. I think that obviously Tom Kearney is, you know, an incredible footballer and, and, and in my opinion the best player in the championship. But you know, there's one thing having that and there's another thing having, you know, Northern Irish International, you know, who's capped at this level extensively and at international level extensively, Ollie Norwood in that gap, who is very much possibly, you know, capable of creating and making opportunities happen. It's almost like we lack the confidence without Kearney to play the way that we normally do. And I think that if we were carried on playing in our sort of normal style and everyone wasn't trying to, you know, to step and change their way in order to be a hero, we might have more luck and more joy than than we are. I think potentially we're just trying too hard to compensate in TC's absence.
0: We've had a couple of questions. I'm happy to bring this up now. I dipped into the post bag. I'm sorry, Jack, I know it's your job. Get out of my post bag. (laughs) Um, But Stuart Marcham said, out of Kearney and Font, who has been the biggest loss over the last three matches? So I put it on Twitter as a little poll earlier because I genuinely think that... At the moment, we are missing Fonts more than we're missing Kearney. At the end of the day, we do have some replacements. They're not quite up to Kearney's standard, but in that number 10 role. But I don't think we've got anyone that can play at the top of the line at the moment. So I put the, I put the poll out there. Uh, who are of missing more right now? Uh, nearly 300 votes, so it was just a quick, short one, uh, 88% said Tom Kearney, so I'm clearly in the minority on this opinion, but I feel like I may have some backers in the studio. I think you're,
1: you're basically making a point that isn't necessarily the same point. I think if you said, Who are we, what are we missing more, a playmaker or a striker, the answer would be different to the one you've given, because we have actually only seen font in two games. Okay, and so therefore, it's very difficult to make a, a decision based on on but that. But we know
0: and what Font's capable. of. We about.
1: know what he's capable of on the back of one performance against quite a drab Ipswich side. Um, and I agree with you in terms of I think that what we're what we're lacking is is a number nine and a finisher. You know, as I've just said. But I, and I think that Font can be that player. But I think that the response you've got and the the reason that it's the reason that it's so he- weighted heavily in Kenny's favour is because Kenny's been doing this for us for two years. He's been smashing things, controlling the play, dictating how we play, and 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 being that kind of key force in the middle for us for far longer than Font has. And therefore, people are always going to naturally sway towards yeah, that. Behavior. Exactly.
0: I kind of knew what the result would be in in a sense, but I still think as you maybe I doubt's what I should have put. What are we missing? More playmaker or striker? Ben. What have you got to say on this?
2: I'm one of the 12%. Okay. I, I do believe we're missing Font. slightly more than we're missing Kenny at the moment, just simply because, on the basis that we are making chance after chance, and it's clear from every game that we've played in the past few weeks where we've struggled to put the ball away that there are bucketfuls of chances happening in every single one of them. It's just that we are lacking that cool, calm, ice veined striker to put them in the back of their net, something that we talked about. On the podcast last year was Chris Martin is just cool. He just puts the ball in the back of the net. He doesn't get flustered. If you look at someone like Floyd Aite, as much as I love him and I think he's great out wide, when he's in the box, his decision-making is incredibly poor and he tends to rush chances and opportunities that he gets. If we had Fonte in there and we're pulling balls across the six-yard box or we're looking for someone to make space, then I think that he would be the guy to do so and therefore I think we're missing him slightly more Um, we talked about how good Cabano was at finishing against Ipswich and it hasn't really been exactly the same since then and we haven't got anywhere near the level that we were against Ipswich against any of our opponents I know Ipswich weren't that good that day but we look sensational at times
0: Ipswich have still won five games this season so I think like it was, which were poor that day, but it was mm. still you know it was a convincing result, and we haven't really brought that to the table since. Um, let's move on into the second half, and I will come to our man who has officiated a few games in his life, our mm. monk, uh, the penalty, or the non-penalty as it was, given away, I think, by Ryan Cessignon. could have been Kevin McDonald, could have been David Button, for all I know, could have been Neskinwide at the other end of the pitch. It, was, it seemed like a ghost penalty at the time, uh, a clash. Uh, with McFadzin. Um I do think that Sess was a little bit careless, though, and maybe gave the ref a decision he didn't need to make. But as you see from plenty of the replays, McFadzine was, was over way before he'd had any contact. Uh, yeah, maybe it
3: was a bit careless, Cesc, but, um, um to actually go in in that position. But he was just going for the ball. But in that case, I, I've looked at it a few times since, and I, I can't see um where a penalty should be given i can see why the referee give it but gave it from what he saw in front of him to be slightly fair to him but it i still feel like it's not a penalty
2: how can sorry how can you say i can see why the referee's given it but i can't see where he's given it no 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 i'm
3: not saying i'm not saying um where he's given it right as in i'm just saying it's i'm saying it's not a penalty but i can see why he's given it in the sense that you know there's been a touch on the ball and then Sesinyong's come rushing in and I th- I think Sesinyong gets the ball
0: so but doesn't it, touch man or ball does Well he? I, that's the thing like the problem is with the camera the, the one camera angle you have in the center of the pitch you just can't truly be sure you basically have a fan's eye view of it hmm. and Oh, you can slow it down as much as you want, but unless you have a camera that's closer to the ball, there's only so much that we can really mm. debate it from that angle. For me, and even if you slow it right down, I just think there's, there's there's nothing to it. And the way the referee kind of jumps to give it, like he's excited, like yes, my moment, well, penalty. It's, the,
3: it's it's slightly. I just feel like it's a slightly strange one because of the way that uh, McFadden goes down. It's like he goes down kind of backwards, as if he's trying to sort of he's been pulled down by McDonald. But if Sessignon was, if if it's the foul by Sessignon, who you know, probably gets a, a kick on the thigh, you wouldn't just suddenly fall backwards if you got a kick on the thigh from the side, would you? He kind of just falls over backwards, and that screams out to me that maybe Kevin McDonald, he thought Kevin McDonald kind of pulled him backwards, but I, I don't, I I haven't seen that, so it's it is a it's a slightly puzzling one, but I don't think, I mean, the refereeing performance was a bit annoying and frustrating to watch because it wasn't his worst decisions of the day there were quite there were some fouls that were being given or not given in favor of both teams that just seemed absolutely puzzling
0: well, we know which ref this is this is um steve martin who gave steve martin
3: yeah his name yeah, steve yeah, yeah. martin Same i was thinking about i was thinking about making a uh, a com- comedic performance joke Oh, no. as you
0: often do yes <laughs> um, but he's the one that infamously gave Newcastle was it Forrest two Reds yeah. I can't remember which he gave
1: Newcastle two Reds against Nottingham Forest. both, getting both rescinded, rescinded
2: and gave a penalty, penalty yeah. that everyone's decided wasn't a penalty the amount um, of tweets we had pre-game from people being like you have Steve Martin be careful oh, we even retweeted one of them, didn't we yeah uh, my uh, cousin uh, described him as a Robin Hood ref as in robbing points from the rich and giving them to the poor which is just nuts It's a lovely phrase Mm. yeah it's very good isn't it yeah well it's
0: exactly kind of what happened really as well as Burton played and Nigel Clough went as far as to say it was um, the proudest he'd been of his team and their best performance since coming up to the championship which is a lot of respect to us but effectively they did get the three points via a very dodgy decision and also from a terrible penalty actually the penalty itself from Lucas Aikens insults or injury stuff isn't it Dribbles in the back of the net. Yeah. The
3: the weird thing is, is that I thought, like I said before, Burton did play well and they did fashion some good chances. But... For all their hard work and the good chances they did fashion, they didn't score from those good chances. They scored,
1: they scored from absolute shithouse goals. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Like that first goal is an absolute, like, glorious amount of shit involved. <laughs> um, like, as in, if that was any other team, you'd be like, "What a wonderful, wonderful bit of crap." Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and any self
1: respecting football fan, uh, you know, will, will will say that. I mean, I, I posted this about the whole goal in the week because that was one where the ball just went up in the air, where it could have gone anywhere and bounced back in, but it's. You know, one of those things that yeah, Burton did play well. Um, they 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 stuttered and, and and stunted us at every every kind of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's you know testament to them that they they think that that's a you know a performance you know that's worthy of the kind of praise that Clough gave it. It's not the best I've seen them play. I saw them play weeks ago against Birmingham where they were actually excellent and really really good. And you know they were they were nowhere near that level. But they have players that can hurt hurt us and. You know, you look at their team you look at their team sheet and, yeah, they're not, you know, world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but there are solid players there that know how to play the game, have been around for a long time. You know, McFadzin's been around for ages. Uh, the fellow in the middle, Jamie Allen, who's done three or four seasons at Rochdale and always been, constantly been linked with moves up to the championship and, and even the premiership at one point. Um, Sean Scannell, you know, of yeah. you know, those kind of players. And Marvin Sordell, like, these are... I think uh, Lloyd Dyer. They're, yeah. they're all players that you know, have heard of. And you, yeah, maybe there's a bit of a bunch of misfits, but they all know exactly what they're doing. They're well drilled. They're very well drilled. And, and, and Nigel Clough's a good manager and a good coach. And he's got them doing exactly what they need to do at home to rip points off people. And they, that we won't be the last scalp they get this season at, at, at the parade. I imagine
0: they're going to have a season like they have had in the last week. Beaten 5-0 by Leeds, go away to Norwich, get a great point, and then get a bit of a scalp at home. Yeah. They're going to have that all season long. They're probably going to lose more than they win, but I imagine they've probably got more than enough to stay up. When you look at a side like Bolton at the moment who are just shipping goals for fun,
2: mm. like, yeah. they're, um, very,
0: they're a very wily team and unfortunately we've we've come unstuck and we very nearly came unstuck to them last season at Craven Cottage at home and I think we've all kind of forgotten that yeah. that evening and blocked it out of our minds. But again, a terrible performance against Burton in September. Uh, just to quickly finish off the Burton game, uh, Ojo missed... By far and away our best chance, even better than the actual goal we scored. Uh, Lovely cutback from Aite. Probably the best thing he did all game, which kind of proves your point. Better on the wing than Mm. um, in the false nine position. Ojo's got to be doing better there. I thought it was in, actually. Uh, It actually goes back to Ben's other point
3: about how we don't have a striker that can just literally just put the ball away. Um, Because it does seem to happen time and time again. We get into that position... And we either, it just either gets blocked or it hit the bar or it goes over. I mean, Norwood scooped one over from five yards out in the first
1: half. Hit the roof. Yeah. I was going to say that was probably, I'd argue that that one was maybe easier. Maybe. Uh, okay. Norwood one because he's at the front it's not come across you know the, the only defence you can give Sherry Ojo is that it's come across I don't think he's expecting it to make it all its way across because one defender misses it and then it sort of scoots past another defender sort of as he tries to kick it and it comes to Ojo you know when when he's probably not expecting it that said he's a professional footballer he should put it in the back of the net but I think but, Ojo, I think Norwood's one's potentially potentially worse so. That does happen quite a lot though the amount of
3: times we miss easy chances and we you know we've said it again that um, when Fulham have won, we've gone. Oh, we should have actually won that three or four one or four nil, and it's only been like one nil, one nil victories, um, because we don't just put those easy chances away time and time again. I wonder how many times. I wonder what I know. We had Fulham had loads and loads of shots last year, more than any team in the Championship. I all think. all of them from Sonia Lucas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but how many? How many?
2: I wonder what our blocked shots are because the amount Less of times. Less than Philippe Coutinho's. That's for sure. What's that? Less than Philippe Coutinho's. Yeah, Their blocked moves, <laughs> yeah,
3: um, because Oop. the amount of times like I, I like someone like Ieate like gets into a good position and te- keeps taking extra touches before having a shot it gives the defender a chance.
2: There's there's huge benefits to having a force nine system in the fact that if you have three wingers, a lot of them can interchange and they mm. they're happy being out wide and they're happy being in the middle of the box and they know how to run channels and make space, but. One of the negatives is that they're quite easy to mark because all of, all the time they just want to go feet because that's what they believe a striker really does. Mm. And secondly, is that the fact that they're not used to having the ball fizzing at them at sort of you know right into their feet or shins or head and then wanting them then being able to put it into the back of the net seamlessly. Um, so I think that's what we're we're lacking at the moment is that that striker who knows what to do with it and when and and when to make a move and when not to make a move and when to hit channel and get in behind to make space for others. When you when you run a force nine with all these wing wingers or central attacking midfielders, they're, I know they're professional footballers, so they should be incredibly clever as it is. And I would say our our front six players are probably the most intelligent in the championship. But there's a different mindset from thinking of, uh, as a winger, as an attacking midfielder, and there is to being a striker. And the, you know, I think that's quite clear with the amount of shots that we're probably missing right now.
3: I suppose it kind of shows how good a player has to be to be really, really good in two positions, really. Yeah. Not just winger and striker, but fullback and centre-back. Someone he- like
2: Cabano is is that good example of someone who can play force nine and play as a winger, mm. um, albeit he does need to calm it down in the box a little bit.
0: Let's move on to a more positive game, which was the Hull game uh, last Wednesday. Seems like a while ago now, but uh, Wednesday saw our first home win of the season against Hull City at the Cottage. Now, I'm not saying that our first home win had anything to do with the fact that Ben Jarman uh, bought a Snapchat filter for the entire stadium, <laughs> but we do have a 100 percent record uh, when you've done that, Ben. So maybe if you can have a look no, into Saturday, one for Middlesbrough, yeah? there we go. Okay, uh, no nice 2-1 victory. Uh, Ojo had a far greater impact in that game and uh, it seemed to me like Hull's tall and fairly slow back line just really struggled to contain our pace going forward and it just it was wave after wave of attack and really I thought that the scoreline could have been a little bit more convincing. I thought we were good
1: on Wednesday Um I had a lot of discussion about this on, on Twitter with certain people and I said that at points we were mesmerising, which, you know, might have been slightly far, but I, I stand by the majority of that statement. Not
0: like you to get overexcited. No,
1: but I, I do think that at times some of the pass and move, you know, passing and movement we were doing was, was absolutely scintillating, and we, we really did at points take it to hold, and we were just a class above a, a, a lot of points, and you know, it goes to show everything we're saying now is, is the same, that at points we can be classed above teams and still nearly, nearly give a, give a point away, despite the fact that we were just so clearly the superior team for the majority of the game. And I think that it's important to, to look at that game and think, yeah, we, we, it was one of those where we got the job done. But we did. We invited unnecessary pressure onto ourselves in the last 10 minutes. And, you know, it's probably a quite, it's quite a frustrating end when you're, like, hanging on to a point when you know you've been so dominant. And the big chance was, obviously, Cesc. The start of the second half, um headed wide. Unbelievable. Before build up. that game, the move before that chance is absolutely sensational. The ball goes right to left, left to right, right to left, left to right again and comes across before it's chipped over. It's a delightful ball from Shea Yojo, um in there and, and and very much should have been should have been 2 0. And I think at 2 0 we probably would have kicked on because they would have had to come out at us and, and look at it. And instead, you know, five minutes later it was we were on level pegging.
2: And
0: did we retweet that tweet? I think it was Andy Glockner yeah. on Twitter.
2: That Yeah, we have retweeted it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If, if not, I certainly have. It's it's incredible build-up play the way you, you know we play out of defence and then go through the motions and just cut through holes like a hot knife through butter. It's if you've ever seen um Maurizio Sarri's oh, football for Napoli this. it's basically <laughs> it's basically one and the same and it, they're both incredibly beautiful styles of football and the way we play out the back at times is is absolutely draw dropping it it's comparable to some of the the best football you'll probably see in the championship if not at at Elite level, I reckon. If you ever
1: get a chance to just watch anything that Napoli are doing, just literally do it. look at my They're timeline incredible. today. It's <laughs> Napoli
2: everywhere. They are
1: <laughs> a sensational footballing side, and you know it's nice to see that Fulham are basing a style of play on 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 something that's so wonderful and so you know so enthralling to watch. And yeah, it makes it really exciting. And it doesn't mean that it always works, but you know we we've had this conversation before. But I would rather us play like this and lose. Shit in a way, way way. The <laughs> um, then then yeah then play long ball football and win win the title i really would and and you know a lot of people would disagree with that and say it's, it's wins or nothing but for me watching fulham play the way that they did at part in parts on on wednesday is what it's all about and how we just ripped hull open and and taught and moved them all over the place and literally creating gaps making runs there was the the tiny little passes in the middle the intricacies are just absolutely sublime to watch and I think there is, is something to be said for that.
0: Well, I know that Napoli won 6-0 at the weekend, so hopefully we'll start um, getting results to match uh, the playing on the pitch. Uh, to go back, though, to what you said earlier, Jack, about our Achilles heel of just conceding soft goals, can you remember, this one for Farrell, I think, the last <laughs> hu- clean sheet at home? Um don't know, was I born yet?
2: Didn't we win 3-0 against someone last season?
0: It is last season. It was 2-0, I think, in sort of Je- February, January time, was it? 2-0 First. against Barnsley, 14th of January. Jesus. Bloody hell. In
1: fairness, we have had that three months off in the middle of that. Yes. I mean, it's still a long time, don't get me wrong. But I mean, <laughs> and
0: also, a lot of wins. We just happened to win a lot of games 2-1 and 3-1 and 3-2. So it's not like we were losing every game since January. But, mm. yeah, I thought it was... It just seemed. To, I just kept think, getting that feeling like, God, every game I go to at the Cottage, we do seem to can see the that, goal I see home, that I see that half the putney the end have a big ripple of that's cheering. at home because away enjoy... would be least yeah, no away we've kept quite a few clean sheets yeah. throughout last season just um, we just...
1: helping the boys that are putting a little cheeky both teams to score and Fulham to win on every weekend
3: oh there's a guy that works in our, our catering department at work who puts Fulham both teams to score every single game and I come into work on a Monday morning we both shout at each other both teams to score
2: <laughs> what a lovely relationship you guys have. Yeah. <laughs> I respect it. I morning.
0: Both it. teams have scored. <laughs> yeah. It's <is> literally
2: <laughs> like that. We shout
0: it from across Quiche the way today,
2: Farrell. Both teams have scored. <laughs>
0: okay, well, we'll look forward to our next home game where hopefully we can reverse that statistic uh, against Barra. Preview coming up after this. All right, Sammy. All right. How do you feel about beer? Yeah, I like a can or two.
1: How do you feel about free beer?
0: Yeah, I like free cans as well. I like more than three cans personally.
1: Of course but you do. Here at Fulhamish Podcast, we have a deal for you which gets you free beers with our friends over at beer52.com.
0: Please do tell more.
1: So, if you go to beer52.com and put in the code Fulham, you can either get eight free beers for £0 plus post and packaging, or 10 beers for £5 plus post and packaging. So, Basically, if you pay six quid, they deliver you loads of beers.
0: That sounds pretty good. So you just pay for the delivery. Yeah. And you get free beers. Eight free beers. And does it support the podcast as well? My much-loved favourite podcast.
1: Yeah, and we get benefits from Beer52.com as well. Which means we can buy beer. Yeah, for ourselves.
0: And maybe even for you at the pub before a game. Good stuff. What's the code again? Fulham at Beer52.com. One more time. Fulham at Beer52.com. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Ben Jarman, Jack Collins and Farrell Monk. Just in that little break, we were having a bit of a discussion. Can you name the other two teams that won the Intertoto Cup at the same time as Fulham? Don't answer in the studio because we now all know the answer. So Fulham won it in 2002. It was the only tournament that had three winners. It was a very bizarre thing. Uh, if you can name those two sides, get in touch at fulham pod. Uh, we'll give you our pride uh, if you... Uh, if you answer it correctly, and maybe a mug one day when we get round to making some Fullamish mugs. Which You're a Fullamish mug. I am a Fulhamish mug. The biggest Fullamish mug around. Right, let's look forward to Saturday's game against Middlesbrough. Uh, if we thought Burton was tough, then we've got recently relegated Middlesbrough coming to the cottage on Saturday. Now, obviously going to be a really tough game. Uh, they've sometimes found goals a little bit hard to come by this season, but seems like that problem... Uh, is over now, extending from last season. They've really struggled to score goals in the Premier League last season, Middlesbrough. Uh, they've got an entertaining 3-2 win against our neighbours from Shepherds Bush, and they've now got six goals in their last three games. Asombalonga, uh starting to prove his transfer fee. It's going to be a, an exceptionally difficult task for Fulham, but I think it could be the confidence boost we need if we do come out of it with a win. and Maybe the start of a home run, that would be nice.
1: I mean, it was all but possible. It's going to depend very much on who's available and and what we have to play with, basically, in in terms of the squad. So, you know, Middlesbrough are obviously a very good unit and were pretty much all of our picks to be promoted again this season after the strengthening they did in the summer. Um, They started very slowly uh, in a very unexpected way. They lost first game to Wolves, who have also proved to be quite good. Um, but they, yeah, they didn't have the, the best start to the season, but we, I'm sure that they will be you know, now looking to put together a run of form and they look to be starting to find their groove, which is unfortunate for us, but very much in the swing of things of Fulham to, to play someone where they're getting better.
0: They're in so, a gaggle of about four or five sides um, below the playoffs that were tipped for promotion. I still think we'll be there at the end of the season, but just not quite at full pelt. And I'd like to think we are... Kind of in that category as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think we are, but we're probably just a little bit off the pace at the moment.
2: We're just jogging, and everyone else is getting into a slight run right now.
0: Yeah,
1: we're we're still very much jogging and and had a little stumble, uh, if you if you will. Mm.
2: But you know, it's
1: it's going to be a tough game. There's, there can be no qualms about it. We had a good question actually talking about on, on on this subject is why we're charging them so much when we're always complaining about Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday doing it to us so there's how much we charging them i think it's 37 or 37
2: 37 for a home adult as well yeah
1: so um, the two the
2: two the prices are mutually agreed between the two clubs
1: yeah i know but basically there's yeah fulham and middlesbrough are two clubs that very much didn't sign up to the let's not you know molest our fans kind of
0: goodness i didn't realize how expensive it was apart from um hammersmith end uh it's 40 pounds
3: Jesus, yeah, exactly. stark contrast to Cardiff where it was £20 wherever kids you are in the quid. stadium. Yeah, yeah,
1: stadium.
0: Kids for a quid as well.
1: Abdul raised that point, so thank you to him. And, yeah, and, we... and
0: increases by £5 on match day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's, it's madness. And, you know, we've put up things about this before in, in terms of the price of Fulham and all, and all of that kind of stuff. And we are involved with the uh, Supporters Federation in, in, in sort of lieu. Intendous.
0: I guess the season ticket holders, you do sometimes forget do to forget, see your own prices. If, if, mm. if
2: you are like I am and you, you, you're you not a season ticket holder and you want to buy one-off games, paying 40 quid is absolutely ludicrous. And considering you can see Tottenham versus Real Madrid at Wembley for 40 quid in the Champions League, you know, it's stark contrast, isn't it?
0: Well, we, we, there is a there is the article on uh, Fulhamish and it's all about like the price of following your team in the Championship. And it is very, very high for the quality of football that... You're seeing, and it doesn't seem to go down in almost like a tier system that it really, that it should do.
1: We'd um, like to condemn charging away fans for forty pounds. Yeah, yeah we've, so we've of all, we're often we're very, categorically.
0: Yeah, we're often very positive about the club on here, but I think that is actually yeah. uh, a, very, a very valid point, Jack. Um, back to um, the football. Do you think mm. that Asamoah is the main man uh, for Liverpool to watch out for? Well,
2: yes. On, on paper, he certainly is. Um, I think one of the the biggest positives for us is that um, the guy who had absolutely no end product for the first 19 years of his life but now all of a sudden has a cross on him Adama Traore um, had a very silly sending off um, the other week um, and as such is halfway through the middle of a three match ban and that will correspond with us playing um, Borough uh, this coming weekend so they will be out without him and he looks incredibly dangerous this season, very fast um, as I say, finally has an end product and looks to be incredibly incisive where last season he seemed to dilly-dally on the ball, um, seemed to overthink being in one-on-one situations a little bit too much. And this season, uh, Middlesbrough looked like they have finally got back a scoring touch and I wouldn't be surprised if Hassan Belonga scores more in one season than Middlesbrough did for the whole of last season, which I believe was just a measly 19 goals. There's an unbelievably low amount of goals to to score in a season, even if you're fighting Mm.
0: relegation. They did concede two very sloppy goals to QPR on Saturday. I don't know if you saw them, in particular the second one, which was a mix-up between, uh, I think, Gibson in defence and Randolph and Jamie Mackey just out of hope rather than expectation kind of chased it down and suddenly end up with a goal and they also conceded after two minutes yeah i mean built in the build-up so it gives us a bit of hope that maybe if we press them high we might get some might get some joy
1: that is a an anomaly for middlesbrough this season since darren randolph moved from west ham to middlesbrough he's kept five clean sheets from eight mm. you always back uh,
2: ireland legend isn't he
1: yeah randolph you shall not pass <laughs> as, as i believe the flag goes but yeah, Lesser I mean, Serbia. we're just looking at this. We're looking at this squad here, and it's <laughs> unbelievable. I've just ignored that. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, this squad has so much championship depth that it's. It's a bit unbelievable, and. Mm there's just so much firepower here and you can obviously see that they've gone right we didn't score enough we need to get some players in but you know their back four is you know George Friend who was the left back of the year last the year before in the championship mm. and, and was part of that team and was very unlucky with injuries actually last year yeah. Fabio who you know is ex man united at right back Gibson. still does a bit Gibson and Daniel Ayala and and then you know Ryan Shotton's there as well there's there's a load of very very
2: good well, I players I think it there.
3: shows that the fact that when they were 2-1 down they, they, at the weekend
1: they brought on
3: Adam Forshaw and uh, Johnny Helson. still there, isn't he? Lebbit is the captain. Yeah, is. And they're up. able to bring those players on who are quality championship, very, very solid championship
1: players, especially Johnny Helson, who's quality. Mm. You know, Stuart Downing's still there. He's a good player. Guediora from Algeria. He does a good, good signing. Excellent, excellent signing, that was. And then up front, they've got, you know, as some longer we mentioned Braithwaite, Bamford. Uh, uh, Ashley Fletcher who's there on loan from West Ham well permanently from West Ham isn't he now yeah. um, and, and Rudy Gustead
2: So a joke uh, it, yeah. that,
1: that's an unbelievable amount of firepower that for the championship. Payments, FC. we talked about Sheffield Wednesday yeah, last about year to say that. and how much firepower they have this is equivalent if not stronger I, I, I'd argue stronger yeah, you're I'm listening to Jack Collins on the Middlesbrough podcast yeah well it, I mean I wish um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't obviously but it's borrowish um, but it is very, very strong and, and you you have to look at this squad and be like, this is going to be a serious test of of whether we've got the metal to compete. And you're not just in terms of a result here, I'm talking whether we can outplay this Middlesbrough side is going to be a very, very tough ask. And I think that if we can do that, you know, even if it ends up being a draw or, you know, heaven forbid another loss, but it's going to be a question of how good we are as a footballing unit as much as whether we can win here on Saturday, I think.
0: What changes do we expect to see from Slav? You'd have thought injury permitting that he'll be looking to try and start Font at centre-forward on Saturday. Um, Would you make any other changes to the side? Who would you drop for Font? Would it be Aite or would you put then Aite on the wing and drop someone else?
3: Probably going to play, um, because he rested him on Saturday, I assume, Kamara put
0: him on oh yeah he's been well rested <laughs> he'll, he'll, i think that was, that was a joke one. by the way everyone we didn't want
1: two on the i imagine he didn't want two strikers on the bench and i don't think that's the worst call in the world and font clearly wasn't fit enough to start yeah. so i don't think that's a dropping of no i know um okay, 47 i don't know who i would actually drop because Ojo's playing really well at the moment yeah, i'd drop ojo
0: yeah same yeah i would yeah. go for
1: ojo. I, but also, okay overall I, <laughs> I also would be dropping Aite. i drop ojo and Aite, and i play johan Molo on the right
2: Molo's very I don't positive. think that's a, I don't think that's a bad shout at all. You know, I am very much a Floyd Aite fan, but I think Molo had a real impact, especially in the game that he's mm. played so far. And he he really does take the ball to the other team, and he's
3: so direct.
2: I love that. exactly. I, and love, I like that. I love
3: a direct winger.
2: This weekend, I've got it in my notice that one thing we really struggled to do was take players on one on one and really take that risk and break down a you know three centre backs and two wing back formation. And Molo was the guy to do that, to take them on and get the ball into the box or have shots from outside the box. And, and we didn't use him. And it was really strange. Well, it the makes sense because
0: that's what Sonia Luko did for us. He used to take yeah. on players. And I yeah. guess that makes Mollo the natural. just completely roast Whereas them.
2: Shea Yojo is, the, is basically the epitome of what the English teenager has become. And uh, someone who looked to be very raw when he first started out, but has steadily become... Overcoached and unwilling to take mm. risks, and constantly looking to come inside and lay the ball off. Yeah, square.
3: I mean this—it uh, it does seem to that every winger that now is up and coming now is that inside-out type winger, mm. always looking to try and get it inside, trying to get inside the fullback, but then just doing laybacks. There's no, there's no real sort of that creative spark. Mm. Unlike the Sonny Aluko type, who's probably a bit more old school now that he's twenty-eight years, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. And you didn't know which way he was going. He
0: uh, said that he would celebrate if he scored against Fulham uh, on football on five or on Saturday nights. Do, do a bit of a Lukaku.
1: I wouldn't blame him. No. Um, the, the whole the point is, if I think that if we were playing a weaker side on Saturday, I'd be tempted to play Molo in and in the ten, which is an uh, interesting call. I think I I wouldn't do it Radical. against Borough because I don't know if he's ever played in the ten before. I just think that you know someone in there who's willing to carry the ball from midfield and and as we say move through those transitions that quickly and and then look to open up teams might be the answer mm-hmm. to the kind of lack of incisiveness that we had at the weekend and I think that it would lay off you know take some of that impact off Steph Joe who seemed to struggle a bit with it he you know had a good game on on Wednesday but he struggled on on, on Saturday I thought and. I think that it might be an interesting one to consider if Kenny's out for a prolonged period.
0: All right, well, it'll be interesting to see what side Slav does pick on Saturday as we're back at the Cottage against Middlesbrough. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the pod, so I know I dipped into it earlier illegally, uh, but Secretary Jack, please could you reopen the post bag and uh, let us know what's in there, please? Yes, I, I can have a little look at the post Sorry, bag. Sorry, I don't mean to go in there behind your back.
1: No, I, I know you, I mean, I, I feel a little bit betrayed, but, you know, we, we, we live and learn. You're, right. the
0: sec- you're the secretary and it's not my right. job. We can all
1: share, boys, we're all friends
0: here. No, I know, you? but, you know, I just, I, I've got to know my place.
1: Oh, I've, got to, I've, I've got to address this one because this one keeps coming up. Um, DGH, GJH, I apologise, um, at 1966FFC says, Do we miss Malone? This has been a recurring. Do we mean theme. personally or like in football terms? <laughs> I think he Just means in footballing his terms. I, his door. I, I, I don't miss him personally, so um, but I think in footballing terms, I think is is what we're kind of get out here. Does anyone think we're struggling without Malone at left back?
0: I think that we. I genuinely would go as far to say that. Yeah, I think that Malone looked brilliant going forward at times last season, and we do seem to miss um, his style going forward. I never kind of thought I'd say that, but yeah, We're missing him, but at the other end of the scale, it's very easy to suddenly say you're missing someone when results aren't going well. Give it three wins on the spin, I don't think we'll be missing him.
1: I think yeah. it's mad, kind of like mad to think that if our problem is scoring goals and putting away chances, the player that we're missing is a left back. But <laughs> like, I know that Scott Malone like scores against some modern goals. football, hey? yeah, but no, no, no. I know Malone did score occasionally and, and and you know picked up a couple of goals last season, but like. At no point was I like, oh, our main attacking threat is Scott Malone. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, when the ball's like bobbling around the area, the man that I want on the end of it is Scott Malone. Like, did he get? Did he have a chance to take a penalty at all? Yeah, potentially might have been really good at penalties, but it's, you know, <laughs> well, the the point is that like, I, I don't be. think that Sesignon is doing a, a particularly bad job at left back in terms of pr- like producing. I think that we're actually, in fact, you'd argue that. Session one is potentially producing more than Malone was. Yeah, maybe not as much end product. But in terms of fizzing the ball in, like and, and, and getting those crosses in, they're vaguely on target, which is hundred percent more you can say more than you can say for Scott Malone. and, and also we look more defensively sound. Like, I don't want to call call the shots, but when Huddersfield brought Malone on last week at 60 minutes, they'd conceded two within 10 minutes of him coming on, and what the, yeah, they were so
3: totally unrelated. Like they were not his fault. Okay, the,
1: the first one was the second one. <laughs> the second one, you can you can you can definitely draw a link to, to the poor poor positional play at the left back area. And I I really don't think that we're missing Scott Malone in in terms of how this is coming across because like I I can't. I can't watch Fulham and be like, oh, our left back creating chances is exactly what we're missing here. And uh, like, to, forgive me if I'm wrong and, and please do call me out. But I just don't understand if we're saying on these points that we're making all these chances and not putting them away. Surely that can't be related to our left back.
3: No, I do, I, I do agree that, I, you know, to a certain extent. Um, I think we're we're fortunate in the sense that we can sell our starting left back and we've got a ready-made replacement already there. And Cessinon is performing pretty well at the moment. I've got to say against Hull is his performance was quite up and down. Um but what I do like about Sess is that he'll make a mistake and he just seems to sort of relish that even. And he almost sort of plays amazingly for the next following five minutes after that, yeah. even if he makes a mistake. Against Burton, he was he was I thought he was one of our standout performance performers uh that day. But I mean it's Malone had his had his um fans and people who uh were not so in favor of him but at the end of the day he's he's a left back and because we're not winning games at the moment it's nothing to do with our defensive abilities at left back it's more to do with putting the ball in the back of the net although malone did it it's you know it was because we were playing so we were playing so well last year that even our left back was chipping in with goals
2: i don't know if we're missing malone i think as the other two guys have touched on i think the the missing components come from further forward in in the midfield and and the attack. I I think Malone was very consistent last year in the fact that he played out of his skin for the whole season. And and visibly so as well. Um I think, as Farrell rightly says, Sessignon's very much an up and down player, but that's because he's so young. Mm. And it's very hard to get consistency out of a young player, and I think the only one that's probably doing it well in in world football at the moment is Marcus Rashford in being of being particularly consistent across all of the games that he, he, he plays. Um, I, I, I do think we miss Malone to an extent in the fact that he gives us some sort of incisiveness down the left-hand side. But defensively, we, he's not there at all. And I, I think that's where Sessignon has the edge over him. If I'm if I'm perfectly honest with you, I think we miss Chris
1: Martin far more than we miss Scott Malone. Yeah, I think, I think it's agree. a
3: stretch from to say that we totally miss him and that he was the best player at the club or any anything close to that. But at the same stage, it's too much of a stretch to say he was the worst player on the team by a country mile.
2: I find it really hard to make. I find it really hard to give a concise answer because I can't see the correlation between Scott Malone and an upturn in results or or a downturn in this case yes. of results because. Whilst he provided some assists last year, we're getting those opportunities from the wingers this year. Whilst he got goals, none of the team is firing now. And even if he was here, I can't see that he would be scoring because he's a left-back. Yeah, I think, the the like you say, Farrell, the, the way we're missing him is in the fact that there is a downturn. Last year, he played very well. And it sticks out that he could perhaps have been the spark this season that we don't have because he was that week-in, week-out player that played for us the best part of 46 games last year as we went on to get to the playoffs. I, I would argue that Aluko is the bigger miss than Scott Malone is for sure. Yeah, I would I would and, agree with that, agreeing definitely. with Jack, Chris Martin. Yeah,
3: it's no coincidence that these players played near enough every game last year in a season that was hugely successful. I find it odd because I just really don't care about Malone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I get that because I, left I just think the, te- the whole team was, was brilliant. The, and it wasn't just one particular player that was hugely stand out to a certain extent. But just because Malone has gone doesn't mean it's anything to do with the downturn in form. That I think Rafa
2: Schwares will give us something that Sessegnon currently doesn't. Just because he's a bit older and he's had four or five seasons as, as a top-flight like, professional in Portugal, whereas Sessegnon's had you know, one and a bit as a left-back in a championship. Yeah. I'm not saying championship's a bad league, don't get me wrong, but we can we can use Schwarz to to good effect.
1: Yeah. I, that was a good question, because we've all, we've all debated it. So, so fair play for that. And thank you, David, for the question. Right, um, the I'm going to go to one Matt one Roberts, one um, who has said, this is a good question as well. He said, Slav said recently that Fulham's style was kind of built around Tom Kearney. With him out, do we think we need a different kind of system, potentially the three at the back?
2: Um, I think that we don't need a diff- a change in system. I think we need a change in s- potentially a style of play because I feel like we're very, very stubborn. And I think this is something I wanted to put across to you guys in the first part of the show is that we seem absolutely intent on walking the ball in and having a perfect goal every single time. There's nothing wrong with shooting from outside the box. There's nothing wrong from, you know, the odd deflection here and there. We don't have to build it up and look like Saudis, Napoli or... Pep as Barcelona, every single time. There's a time and a place where we need to hurry the ball forward and be more direct. I mean, we saw this with Luis Enrique's Barcelona last year. If they don't feel like they have the midfield um completely covered and have that quality in midfield, there's no there's there's no bad thing about going directly to the front three as as we can do this, this time round with our front three. Um and once Fonte's back, then there's an even greater need to get it up to him quicker so that he has the opportunity to finish while the space is there.
3: This is our problem, one of our problems, the fact that we, d- we only know how to play one one system. And when, say for example, Fulham are winning 2-1 and it's in the dying stage of the game, teams, other teams put us under so much pressure and on, on the odd occasion they've actually the pressure has actually uh, given in and Fulham have conceded. I feel like when Fulham are... Uh, trying to get a last minute equalizer. I don't feel like we put the the other team on too much pressure because then they know how to play against a team trying to pass it through them because they've done it for the 90 minutes preceding that. And we don't put the, We don't try and do that direct play of trying
1: to get it straight into the box. We've, or, we've literally got a direct question about that, so oh really? We, we will come on to, to that kind of thing. It, it also drives about,
0: me. It also drives me mad. Well, drove me mad on Saturday. Um, two really late crosses that both went back Graham, by Graham. Uh, Graham, one of them, and Steph, the other. That went behind the byline and yes. just you're thinking 90th minute we just need a moment of quality yes it doesn't have to be the greatest ball of your life but get it in the box yeah i do want to stand and up and, you, and, Jordan on the great. and we wouldn't
3: even, I mean, you wouldn't even for those bits just throw callas or ream up there just to get them in the box it was all still the same exact thing we've been trying i'm not trying to criticize the team too much because i think fulham are a good team at the moment and will click but even in those moments i feel like we yeah. have to try. We have to try it. It's a tried and trusted method of trying to get a late goal.
1: Jordan Graham came on for what seven minutes, and suddenly everyone was like, "Oh, Graham's shit!" And <laughs> like, as in, you, we thought that anyone that was thinking that this, you know, this kid who's kind of come on who hasn't played a, a single minute with the team beforehand, and suddenly just be like. You know, immediately thrown in and be like, oh, I'll 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 make everything happen immediately. It wasn't going to happen. He's come on there. He's tried. You know, he's beaten a couple of players. Yeah, the crosses aren't that good, and we know that he can cross. So it's not it's not something that we're like, oh, you know, maybe this player just can't cross. Yeah, they weren't great, but he beat his man and, and took it on and was much more direct than we were beforehand. And I I don't think he did that badly. And there was a lot of criticism.
0: Uh, I don't think he did well, but I don't think that seven minutes is enough to judge a player on. He had a chance to cross it three times. One of them went behind and the other one wasn't that great. But how can you judge someone on three crosses on their first seven minutes on a pitch?
1: I just thought the response was particularly harsh. I know it's in the heat of it. I think it was looking
0: for a scapegoat. And unfortunately, he came on brand new player. And I think maybe everyone was hoping that he'd ping it in from 35 yards and be the hero unfortunately it didn't quite work out that way as you'd fully expect
2: I was just going to say on the on the three at the back point it's very difficult to accommodate for our squad to play with a three at the back system because if you're going to play three centre backs well one have we got enough quality in that position I would argue probably not as in definitely not enough cover
0: if not, not, not,
2: not enough cover if one of them gets suspended or one of them is injured uh, in the game um, I'd also say at wing back, we've tried to play wing backs before, notably against Reading away, to try and you know nullify the threat of Jordan Abita, um and the other full back Chris Gunter, and it didn't really work because we lost the midfield battle. And yeah. if we're going to have one in there, uh, holding that's going to be K Mac. And um, yeah, I, I think what we're all getting at is probably going to play a, a three four three, which is very much in fashion right now. Who do you have alongside K Mac? Because can't put Kenny in there because he won't offer enough going forward and backwards. You could have Steph Joe in there, but I, you feel that he would get caught out of position quite a bit. Um, I'm not really sure Norwood because I'm not really sure what he would offer alongside K-Mac other than two sitting. So that doesn't really feel like a fit to me, unless you went slightly more narrow and had played two strikers. I was going to suggest that
1: potentially with no 10, we might suit a four-two-four, which mm. is not in fashion. And she's she's very out of fashion. In fact, uh, yeah. playing yeah. playing two uh, wide point. men and two two strikers, but mm. you know, without that, you know, we have we know we've got quality and pace on the wings. Yeah, uh, we know that Font's good, and, and and I, I, you could even play someone like, you know, let's say Cabano off Font as, as kind of like a willing runner to just try and get that interplay going mm. up there, and I think that. You know, there's potential that we we might be able to play something like that and and make it work. And I don't know if there's I don't know if there's any sort of strong opinions. I'm not saying that we should switch formations, by the way. I'm just saying that, you know, we've not seen it and we've not seen it tried. And you know, you never know.
3: I think with that one, it's it's a case of even if we do play a four two four and it is a Cabano or an Aite alongside a Font, uh, that it would just revert to the system we we've been playing for the last season or so. That it would just or Cabano and the the two other wingers who they might be will just still do that inter interplay because that's kind of how they're used to playing.
1: Maybe I'm I just thought, saying if you I... plays like Graham and Molo, who obviously both are mm. you know more direct wingers yeah. who have the ability to put the ball into the center, and potentially if you do that, you have to play Camera just to add some physical presence. Yeah. But you know that's a debate for a different time. I'm just I mean, saying that it might it might change things up for people. Yeah. It
2: may do, but a 4-2-4 is quite notoriously quite easy to play against because if you want to hold the midfield, it's very difficult to hold it with with two midfielders then. Yeah. Um Ventura tried to play it for Italy against Spain a couple of weeks ago and got absolutely done on it. And Conte did it in his first few matches at Chelsea and again, but I could see kind of how it would work for Fulham, I guess. Well, I suppose we're not playing Spain. Uh, yeah, that's no, but if we yeah, get a challenge at times at flood of midfield, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. Right, so we've got loads of questions this
1: week, so I'm going to do a couple of quick fire ones. Come um on. this we've got one from uh, two very similar questions from the at the Fulham boy uh, and uh, at the Fulham boy, at the Fulham boy, What's and a Jason Atkins at Al-Jat, uh which is an interesting handle. Basically, the question, in in so many words, is: Has the Championship stepped up a notch, or have we slipped?
2: Um, championship stepped up a notch. Farrell, uh, yes. Short answer: Middlesbrough huge investment, Wolves huge investment, everyone else huge investment. Good caliber player. Mm. Sammy has just put a hat on and looks like Mark Owen. It's Come my
0: uh, quick fire question hat. Okay. Fine. Um, <laughs> it's stepped up a little bit but then again there were some good teams in the league last year that I think we've kind of lost and actually I think those that have come down from the Premier League aren't that high quality especially Hull and Sunderland if you watched a bit of that game on Saturday it was absolutely dreadful and Newcastle and Brighton were both very good teams uh, that got promoted so yeah I think other side mid-table sides have boosted so I think there's more good teams but actually I think at the top of the league when you consider that Ipswich are in the top five I'm not sure that the quality has gone up that much sorry my quick fire that's question fine. hat isn't doing the no, job. No, that's is it? fine. There's a, <laughs> of, there's
1: a couple of similar ones about this. This is a this is very much a yes no. Do we really believe having Tom Kearney fit again is the solution to all of our problems?
2: Uh, no, uh, uh, uh,
1: no. Sammy, no, no. We 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 all agree with Yeltrich FFC who says that he doesn't believe it will be either. Um, so yeah, we. I mean, we've discussed it at, at points. We've got a couple of emails as well. This is a good one from Oliver Kicks he said is it time to stop blaming officials clearly we're going to have to accept the quality of the referees do we need to try a more physical approach and could we even do that with the squad we have
0: it's kind of a two-pronged question isn't it this one
3: um well it's it's a conspiracy against fulham so we've got to deal with it um no I, i i do agree to to a certain extent that um you know we do have to deal with the referees whatever is going to happen they are they are there to ref the game as best they can to the best of their ability and they going to decide on it how they see it um but we've just got to we've got to put chances away that's the most important thing
2: um we have to obviously refs are there to protect us we do have a few players that seem to play for fouls we're gonna to have to get over it um i think yeah we're just gonna to have to get over it being a bit more physical don't really think we've got the squad for it unless we really include like people like Ibrahim Assise or ak47 in which case we'll probably end up with more red cards than goals yeah, I'm
0: I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed with the it, we have had particularly bad luck with referees, but we also do seem as a fan base at the moment to jump on referees really quickly at the moment in any small decision suddenly it's the worst referee we've ever had. I think Saturday's was particularly bad and Saturday's against Cardiff was particularly bad. Um but I don't I think every team's having bad referees um at the moment. So yeah, we have got to look past it a little bit. Right. No, I
1: I just I, I agree with you to a point. Um, I, I don't think necessarily we we do. I I expect this, that in the championship. Yes, is is not been very good. Do I expect it to get better? Yeah, I hundred percent do. Like it it can't carry on at a kind of rate. So surely if it carries on in this kind of stead, like someone is going to have to get seen to. Like the 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 officiating has been absolutely diabolical at points. Like to the point of where I I felt like genuinely on Saturday, like we were we were fighting against more than just the elements um do i think that referee was bought no no i don't actually think that but it at points it almost looked like it and i think yeah, that Saturdays was bad i think that because we're the kind of team it was, that, that makes for first, both
3: teams it was bad it was bad for both it, okay teams. that's
1: maybe a point that because we play in this certain style uh you know bad officiating hurts us more than it hurts other teams mm. because we play in in, in a, a kind of a good a good footballing exactly, yeah. style and, yeah, okay, that's the, but that doesn't mean that the standard of refereeing you should just accept because it's not very good. Like, yeah, okay, it's, it's one thing always blaming the referee, but, you know, at the same time, the referees are supposed to be there to help the game flow and protect us, and, and currently that's just not good enough, and I expect it to step up.
2: Get Fazer out there. That is, yeah, I'll that do is a job.
1: It. I'll do it. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much A bit of cash
0: much... on a sad hair. Do you nice doing yeah, it?
1: all right. EFA, if you're listening, I'm available. Good. So that is that is all the questions for today. Thank you for all of your questions. I'm sorry we didn't get around to all of them, but I hope most of them have Thanks been guys, answered they're great across, questions. The, across the course of the podcast.
0: Yeah, great questions as always. Uh, get in touch for next week. Uh, pod at fullamish.co.uk is where you can email us or you can always tweet us at fullamishpod. We pretty much do see every tweet that ever comes in. So nice. if you tweet us, and it's a good question. It'll get to us. Don't worry. Right. Well, thank you, gents, uh, for your contributions this evening. Hope you enjoyed a bit of a bumper episode. We had plenty to talk about um, today. So next week, we will be looking at the Middlesbrough game. We'll be back next Monday looking forward to the West London Derby against QPR. Jack Collins, Secretary Jack, please give you title today's pod. The Brewer Blues. Oh, very nice. Fitting in with my ale theme at the beginning of the podcast what about as What Brewer's well. Droop? Brewers Droop.
1: That's unbelievable. <laughs> ah, done. What
0: are you going with, Brewers done. Droop?
1: Brewers Droop. Absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Sonic oh,
0: Benjamin. Sonic Kicks at uh, Sonic Kicks. Sonic following boom, him. Like. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, oh, I resigned from the podcast.
0: <laughs> Sonic Kicks, Sonic Boom, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Far Monk, thank you very much. Thank you. And Jack Collins, thank you very much. Take it easy. See you later. Bye. Toodles. Toodles. By the way, the answer to the question of the Intertoto Cup, Benjamin? Malaga? Yes. Stuttgart? Uh, I'm going to double check that's right. It is is right.
1: Malaga actually beat... How could you doubt me?
0: And the teams they beat in the final? uh, 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 Villarreal. What
3: did you say? Villarreal, Malaga. Uh, Oh, is it Villarreal?
0: Yeah, Villarreal and who did Stuttgart Aston Aston Villa? No. No. Uh, you. Unlucky? Yeah. <laughs> I like you. Unlucky. Unlucky. Like there you go, you. there's your answers. Bye.